Good morning, New Life. How's everybody doing today? Loving Jesus today at New Life Church? Come on. It's so good to be here. Again, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here. And man, it's just a blessing to be a part of this amazing church. You guys are some amazing people uh, at all of our campuses, wherever you are, even online. If you have to get out a mirror and look at yourself, if you're all by yourself, if not, turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. Come on. You look good. So glad to be with you. We are in a teaching series today called Body Armor. We're in week number two uh, of Body Armor. And I'm going to age myself right now. I was born in 1974. And everybody in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, if that's your birth year, are like, bless his heart, right? And everybody else is like, dude, he is well-preserved for an old guy, right? And so I was born in 1974, and a few months after I was born, the Vietnam War ended. And my father, he served in, in Vietnam. And so my childhood, I was, was younger growing up, I heard stories. In fact, my dad, he served in the Air Force. And while he was in Vietnam, I, re, I don't remember this. I just remember the stories of him uh, that he told me, a few stories about serving in that war. And he had a hobby while he, was, while he was there of photography. In fact, somehow he created his own dark room and made and, and developed some amazing photographs uh, while he was in that war. So I grew up kind of hearing the stories and knowing that my father served in that war. But all of my uh, upbringing, you know, when I was born up through a certain age, I didn't know what it meant to be at war, for our country to be at war, except for the things that my father would tell me. And the only war that I knew was a kid named Bernie Menard in fourth grade. This was the only thing I knew about war. In fourth grade, there was this kid named Bernie Menard. And Bernie, if you're watching, I forgive you, buddy, but he was a bully. He was a bully, and he would... He would bully me. And I remember one day I was walking home from school. Anybody old enough to remember when you actually walked home from school? Come on, somebody. <laughs> walking home from school, it was at least five miles, wasn't it? It just gets longer as, as we age. But it was, a few, it was actually a few miles walking home from school. And, and Bernie is, is chasing me, and he's taunting me. And we get to my street, and I'm walking down the street, and there's this crowd of kids that are following him. And he wants to see this. They want to see this fight happen as Bernie Menard is chasing me down. So finally, I get to my yard. And I, I finally have had enough. I get to my yard. I turn around. I'm like, come on, Bernie. Come on. Let's do it. You know, you got to go psycho on the bullies a little bit for them to, they, they need to think that something's off with you. But I remember Seeing Bernie's eyes as he looked at me as they just got really big and scared, and I thought, it's working, it's working. And Bernie turns around and runs away, and all the kids in the crowd got really silent, and they just walked away. And I thought, wow, man, I am bad, fourth grader. <laughs> and I turned around in my yard, and there on my porch was my father standing there. And I didn't realize it till later. I mean, I remember that, but I realized it till later that what happened was that Bernie saw my dad. And at that time, he's about my size right now, and he was afraid. That was the only war that, uh, 
that I knew about. Fast forward to 1991, I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember I was in science class, and if anybody's about my age, you remember Channel One News. Channel One News is something that they did in homeroom. Maybe they still have it, I'm not sure, but it was kind of like a a middle school, high school news broadcast for schools, and so we would have Channel One News, and I remember when they announced on Channel One News that Desert Shield turned into Desert Storm, and our country was at war. And as a sophomore in high school, it was very, it, it was kind of exciting, to be honest with you. It was, it was new, it was exciting, we're at war, we're at war, but it was very surreal, it was heavy. Something really shifted in my heart and the hearts of my friends as we realized that now our country was at war. But for my friends who would, in just a few years, enlist and be deployed on their tours of duty. Their experience in war was far different than my experience, even though there was something that we're at war, but something for them as they, as they had to put on body armor, as they had to go in, in, into firefights, as they had to face IEDs, and they had to uh, deal with ambushes, and I would never have to deal with that. Because that war, even though it was, our country was war, it was so surreal, so strange, it was kind of this weight that we all carried. I was so far removed from the actual battlefield that the war for me was far different, and I would never have to put on something like this. Sitting in Kansas City, Missouri, going to college, I would never have to put on something like this. And if you're in the military, you know, I, I love that the military has their, their acronyms. And the acronym for this is OTV. This is Outer Tactical Vest. And they put it on. This weighs about 30 pounds. How many would like to see how long I can just hold it like this uh, for the sermon? And, uh, but my friends, they had to put this on, this body armor that protected some of the most vital organs of their body and protect them in their battle. I would never have to put on something like this. I recently put on something like this at the gym that I was working out in. And in honor of uh, one of the heroes, his name is Michael Murphy, who in, I believe, 2005, he was killed in Afghanistan. And he's known as American Hero. If you've ever watched the movie, I believe it's called Lone Survivor. Uh, part of the story is about him. And so one of the workouts is uh, you run a mile, you do... I think it's 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 bodyweight air squats, and then go run a mile again, and they're getting ready to do this workout. And they, they grab a vest like this that's fake. It's a CrossFit vest, but it's, it's weighted. And they said, oh, and you got to do it all doing this. And I said, don't, don't you know that I have my own vest that I'm already wearing? <laughs> and so I did it without that. But I've never had to actually wear one of those things. You see, we can be so, why am I talking about this? And we're in the series Body Armor, and the point that I'm trying to make is that we are often so preoccupied by the physical at the expense of the spiritual when it comes to the battle that's going on around us in our life. But as we grow spiritually and as you grow spiritually, you're going to become more aware, more in tune to the reality that not only are we in a battle, but you yourself are in a battle. That there is a spiritual battle that is going on that requires some outfitting, preparation. It requires some body armor if you are going to be successful. I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And eventually we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 6, which is really what this whole series is all about. But first, 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is written by 
Peter to some persecuted Christians in the first century. And he says this, stay alert. Watch out. Your enemy, your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, we're in a spiritual battle. And it was the same for the first century Christians as it is for you and for me today that's happening. And so I, I realized, even though I never went off to war, as I grew, my father went to war, I had friends that went to war, and then I never went to a physical battlefield. As I've grown, I've realized that from the very beginning of my life that I have been involved in spiritual firefights, and so have you. I have faced spiritual IEDs in my life, have you? I've experienced sniper fire where the intent of the enemy was focused on me to take, take me out by their actions. I've faced friendly fire. How many have faced friendly fire from the people that you love, right? And then you're, you're in this battle and the people that you love, that you care about, it seems like it was unintentional, but somehow that wound happens in this battle. I've been triaged. I've lost limbs as I've wrestled with my own insecurity and my own sinful temptations. And I've been AWOL at times absent without leave, where I've thought that I could do things my own way, that I could live my life and my own self-righteousness was enough. I've faced battles, have you? Maybe you're facing it right now in your marriage, in a relationship, in your thought life, in your mental health, in your emotions. You're facing this battle that's going on in your life. Can I just encourage you with a little bit of history, a little bit of testimony today? I've also faced victories in the battle. I've also been on the battlefield where friends have, have carried me off the field and carried me to get help. They've carried me uh, uh, on their shoulders. I've faced victories as I've turned around in the midst of the battle and saw my big God standing on the porch, staring down the enemy. And it's given me this confidence that he has given me everything. Look what Second Peter says. His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. He's given you everything that you need. He's given you everything that you need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness that God has given you everything. So each week in this series, we're breaking down the different aspects of God's body armor in from Ephesians chapter six. And so you'll want to go there. If you have the Bible app, click on events and I have some notes, these are some extras that are in there. Go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 14. It says this, stand therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so last week we kicked off with the belt of truth and today we're going to focus in on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's why I've bought the, brought the outer tactical vest. It's a, it's a great visual of a modern day breastplate of righteousness. But before we get to what is the breastplate, how do we put it on, let's establish a few things that are foundational. And I'm going to do a little, little more teaching today than preaching at you. But Ephesians 6 verse 11, if you back up just a few verses, it says, put on all of God's, all of God's armor. Say all. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. You must put on all of God's armor. So let me give you the whole list. If you don't know what it is, 
And and we're going to foreshadow where we're going in the next few weeks. So first, the belt of truth. We hit that last week. Today, it's the breastplate of righteousness. And then you have the shoes of peace, which comes from the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Then the shield of faith. And then the helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we're going to break this down every week. But first of all, we need to understand we need to put on all of God's God's armor. That's why you need to be here every week or at least get the context of every single piece of armor. Because we need to put on all of God's armor. So it's all, and you have to put it on. You have to put it on. You have to put it on. Now, that's more profound than you think it is. Because think about it this way. If he says, put on all of God's armor, it must be possible for me not to put it on. It may even be possible for me to take it off or leave it off or put on one piece and not the other. So I need to put it on. Now, I said that we get preoccupied with the physical uh, part of life. And just to, just to kind of illustrate this point of who are we talking to. So is this talking about that you need to get saved, you need to become a Christian? Who is even Paul writing to? And then we'll get to the preoccupation with the physical. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and it's going to give us who is this addressed to? And Paul says this, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. It's important to understand that Paul is addressing believers, followers of Jesus, and he's saying to them, put on all of God's armor. So put it all on, and you must put it on. Now, again, we get uh, preoccupied, I do, you do, with the physical aspects of life, and it's at the expense oftentimes of the physical battle, the spiritual battle that's going on around us. But that does not mean that the physical is insignificant, that the physical life that we are a part of is insignificant. It's very important, but there are two aspects of life that I think help us understand the body armor and especially God's righteousness today. The first one is the physical part of life. That's easy to understand, right? But then there's the spiritual part of life. And so you have physical, which is temporary. This body is going to die, right? And then you have spiritual. That's the part that is eternal, that's forever. And when you surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and leader, you step into a relationship with God, you receive his free gift of salvation, you receive, the Bible says, new, eternal, everlasting life. Anybody know John 3, 16? Everyone who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What happens is your spirit is made new. Your spirit lives for eternity with God. You are given new life. And you move from the category of stranger to son or daughter of God. You move from lost to found. There's a transactionary thing that happens as you, uh, your, your position with God as far as your eternity is changed. You go from lost to found. Lost to to saved. And your standing with God is changed because God gives you his righteousness. Look what 2 Corinthians 5 says. For our sake, he, speaking of Father God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, in who? In Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And I put some other verses in the U version for you to 
kind of dig in because I don't want to spend a, a lot of time. But there's this transaction that happens that we get God's righteousness. We are made righteous. It happens by God's grace, through faith. We put our trust in him. And transaction, there's something that happens to our spiritual eternal condition where we are given God's righteousness. And so then we need to ask the question, what is righteousness? What is it? Well, there's probably better explanations, but I made it as, as, as simple as I could. You may want to write this down. God's righteousness is God's purity and perfection in nature and expression. It's God's purity and perfection in his nature and how that comes out. It's his expression. And so I, I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me that when I put my trust in Christ, I bring in my sin and my pain. I surrender to him. We call that salvation. When I do that, that God gives me his righteousness, his perfectness, his purity. He puts him, as he looks at me, he gives me his righteousness when I trust in Christ. How many think that's amazing? It's awesome. And it should be for you because the result is now you get to spend eternity with God. And it begins now in this life. You begin to have a relationship with God that's a spiritual relationship that intersects every aspect of your body and your soul and your mind, your emotions. It, it, it intersects all of those things. It affects those things. We grow in those areas. But we get to have relationship with God because God gives us his righteousness. So you might think, okay, so put on the full armor of God. Put on God's righteousness. It's talking about salvation. We need to trust Christ. You might think if you're a Christian that, well, I've already put on the breastplate of righteousness when I surrendered my life to Jesus. So it's a one and done thing, isn't it? But remember, we also have this other part of us that's temporary. And, and, and physical is probably not the best word, but we understand it very easily. This physical temporary life, we have that aspect of our life. And this part of us is in process. It's being changed. God's working out his ways within us as we walk through this life. Look what the Apostle Paul said to the, the Philippian believers. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion all the, day, all the way to the day of Jesus Christ. Do you see this progression that God's going to begin something? And where our status has changed, we are saved, we are seen as righteous, but we are in process where he is continuing to work it out. Chapter 3 in Philippians, um, in Philippians just goes on to talk about how we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's this process that we're going to, to know God better, to understand his ways so that his ways can be lived out in our lives. So in other words, when you trust Christ, when you give your life to him, God gives you access to all of his body armor. And it can happen for some of you today, and you don't have to wait till the end of the service, but at all of our campuses, even online campus, we're going to have a moment in the service where a pastor is going to invite you, if you're not living surrender to Christ, to step into a relationship with him and receive his righteousness. But you, you can do this right now where you are, surrender to Jesus and receive his righteousness. And when that happens, you get all of God's armor and you put it on. Whether or not you recognize it or not, understand all of its purposes or not, God gives that to you. Your spiritual condition, once again, has changed from lost to found, from outsider to son or daughter. You're adopted into God's family. It's an amazing thing. And then what? Then what happens? Or what about for you if you've been serving the Lord for some time? Well, when you surrender your life to Christ, you begin this lifelong pursuit. 
of exchanging your ways for God's ways, for his righteousness that status-wise he sees you as far as salvation is, is, is you have his righteousness. You're on a lifelong pursuit of surrendering more and more and letting his ways shape you and come out of you in ever-increasing ways so that this whole life is a journey to become more and more and more like Jesus. So for believers, this message is for you today. You have to put it on. Even Christians, yes, even Christians put on this body armor of God. You need to put on God's righteousness because you are in a battle. And your battle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. There's this spiritual battle that's happening. So you need to put on God's body armor. So let's look at who was this written to? We already said it was written to Christians, but let's understand. I think it's important to understand when you read the, read the Bible. Who was the original audience, and what did they hear? What was going on with them? Well, Ephesians is a letter that was written by the Holy Spirit through a man named Paul. And Paul was a, a very religious Jew. He, was, he called himself a Pharisee, was, a, was, a, was an, a, a label or a title of a Jew that followed the law of God in the Old Testament to an extreme, extreme level. And he saw that the church, the, the Christian church that was growing as against God, for some reason, he was persecuting the church. And he has this radical encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You can read about it, Google Paul on the road to Damascus, right? And read about his radical encounter with Jesus. And uh, Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's on his way to persecute the church. And this amazing experience happens in his, his life, in the life of Paul. And Paul begins to um, share the good news of Jesus. Going around, we know that he has at least three significant global outreach trips that he, he went on, some, some missionary trips that he want, went on around the area, starting churches, strengthening churches, discipling people along the way. And through his writings, we get to see his interaction, his with the, the church in Ephesus. In fact, most likely he was part of launching that church. And I won't break it down for you, but we see that he goes there and he leaves some people behind. And that, and that was the time that that church started. But we get to kind of some insight into this church in the context of how we can relate it to us through Paul's writings. And a few years after the church was launched on his third uh, missionary journey, we see in Acts chapter 19 that uh, Paul spent a couple years there and he's discipling them or young church and they're growing and so he teaches and tries to expel some false doctrine that they had picked up again they're a young church they're new converts they're growing and several months later then Paul met with the spiritual leaders the elders of the church in Ephesus and it says in in the Luke's uh, Luke's account of it that they all just kind of weep for joy at what God was doing as he was growing this church in Ephesus. And there's this beautiful picture. But after about 10 years, now we see fast forward 10 years, Paul writes a letter to them. And again, they're, they're growing. He commends them for their faith. They're doing well. They're busy evangelizing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And it was become apparent that this church kind of had reached a point where... The, they were stable, they were viable in their faith and in their work. But then Paul writes a letter to Timothy, and we begin to see in this letter as he deals with Ephesus that there's probably some drift that's beginning to happen in the church of Ephesus. How many know that you can experience seasons, even long seasons, of, of growth and change and victory and, man, God... 
you're serving God, you're, God's in the center of your marriage and things are going well. And you, you can have seasons of, of, of spiritual growth and then face a battle, hit a wall, face opposition, find that the, bad, the enemy is just relentless. I'm talking your marriage is good for years. And then all of a sudden a trial comes and it feels like it's, it's falling apart. Jesus, in his life, as he walked this earth, there was a point in his life after he was baptized in water by John the Baptist that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And right after that, it says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Amazing story. You need to look it up if you haven't read it. And he goes through these temptations where the enemy is attacking him, attacking him, attacking him. And Jesus just overcomes, he overcomes, he overcomes. And then look what it says in Luke 4.13. 4, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, Jesus, until an opportune time. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not over till it's over. Come on. It's not over yet. You can face victory, but guess what? The enemy is relentless. There's going to be another, another wave that's going to come. And so it was for Ephesus as they were growing. There was this wave of battle that they were experience, experiencing in their life. Fast forward a few decades, and another apostle named John who penned the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, he receives this vision for Jesus in the church of Ephesus is listed there, and the church was struggling. Apparently, it had gone through a church split, and false teachers were in the church. They were teaching that Jesus really is not God against the deity of Christ, and there's other ways to have a connection with God. And, man, it seems like things were just falling apart. So the message for us, understanding the arc of the story of the Ephesians church is that we must put on the armor. We must put it all on. Who must put it on? Everybody must put it on. If you're outside of relationship with Jesus today, you can put on God's armor by surrendering to Jesus. If you're a Christian today, don't get lazy when it comes to the battle every single day. In fact, moment by moment, it's engaging and recognizing, God, I need to put on your armor. So once again, Ephesians 6, 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we first must have the belt of truth firmly attached. Go back to next week's message and, and hear everything that Pastor Jeff shared. We need the truth about the big things. We need the truth so that when the lies come in, we can resist them and we can recognize a lie. But going on to the breastplate of righteousness, we need to understand the truth about the breastplate of righteousness. What is it and how do I put it on? Or else, if I don't understand, I don't have the truth about how I put on righteousness, I'm going to be tempted to put on my own righteousness. And you know what you call that? Self-righteousness, right? I'm tempted to try to impress God with my own behavior, with my own attempts, and I become a pretender. I become a pretender. I don't know if you saw this story a few years ago, but there's this YouTuber. His name is Dawson Gurley, and he he's impersonated several times, in fact, an, an NBA player for the Golden State Warriors named Clay Thompson. And 
you watch some of the videos, it's kind of funny, and this guy just, he, he doesn't even look all that much like him, but he just kind of cut his beard just like him. He's a tall guy, and he put on, he somehow got through security and put on the jersey and on the warm-up suit, and he got even out onto the basketball court, and he's, I mean, he's shooting with the team. It's amazing, and it's, it's kind of a funny story, but he's been banned for life from the, the, the place there. That's what we become. We, we try to impersonate. We try to pretend when we really don't have in our possession what we need, and it's God's righteousness. So we fake it. You see, God's righteousness is a purity and perfection. Ours is a cheap imitation. Isaiah says that it's like filthy rags, our own righteousness. And so we need the truth about it, that it's not my righteousness, it's God's righteousness that I need to take on and let change me from the inside out. See, God, uh, God's righteousness is, is like God, God, one of God's core values. It's one, of, it's one of his core values that he lives out. And notice that we put on God's breastplate of righteousness. And then what happens is his perfect nature, his perfect character begins to change us and starts to flow out of us as we cooperate with putting on that armor God's ways begin to be expressed in our life, and they overflow in our life. And it's pretty obvious in the ways that they overflow in our life, or it should be. It's in our attitude. It's in our thoughts, our speech, our behavior. The core of who we are is changed, and our ways begin to express more of his ways. And so as an imitator of Christ, what do I do? We put on the breastplate of God's righteousness. First of all, let me just propose to you as we kind of jump into how do I put it on by allowing God to cut away the things in our life that are not of his righteousness. And I know it's maybe hard to grasp in the metaphor that I just put it on, but in the putting of putting it on, it's allowing God to cut away those things in us, not that have to do with our position of salvation, but that have to do with our position of God's sanctification, his working out of his righteousness in our life. We allow God to cut it away. Look what John says, Jesus says in the gospel of John, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes, get this, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. And so we let God cut away the things that are sucking life, that are not of him, so that we can produce more what? More fruit. More of God's fruit. And what is the fruit? Well, it's the expression of God's righteousness in our life. And so we say, we put on God's breastplate of righteousness by saying, God, cut this thing out of my life. He convicts us. He prompts us through his word, through a message, through a song, through somebody else that's sharing with us. And God prompts us. In this area, and we, we, we allow God to convict us and help us to repent, to turn away with that. That's how you allow God to cut those things out of your life. And so today, right now, all of our campuses, I believe there are people at all of our campuses right now, even as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's prompting you an area of your life that he wants you to lay down. What is that area? Is it a secret it's a secret sin. It's something that you, just, you don't want anybody to know, but God knows, and he wants to cut that out of your life. That's how you're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, and it's going to feel painful. But when you bring something into a light, 
The Bible says it can then become light. If God heals it, it can become light. It means it can become a testimony. And God can produce his righteousness more than you have as long as you can come and say, God, I surrender, I confess. God, would you cut this out of my life? And so what is it? Is God prompting you to lay something down, to give something up so that his righteousness can flow through you? And then he goes on, Jesus says in verse 7, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. You may ask for anything that you want, and it will be granted to you. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. So another way today to put on God's breastplate of righteousness is to remain in Jesus. I like the translated word that's translated there in this in this uh, translation as remain, and uh, there's another version that says abide. I just like that word abide because it's ripe with more activity. It seems like it's, there's more depth there. It, it's more active that I abide in Jesus. I stay connected. I'm, I'm intentional on the relationship of staying connected to him. And how do I do that? I think it's connected to the next part that Jesus adds onto that. And he says, and my words remain or abide in you. Remain in me and my words abide in you. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to bear fruit. Fruit of what? The expression of God's righteousness as he changes you and it flows from the inside out. Jesus, his words remain in you. And by the way, did you know John 1, 1? Read that, that passage. It's great, the, the chapter. That it, one of the expressions that we have of Jesus himself, he is called the word. And so when I look at God's word, I pick up my Bible and I read it. That that is more than just words. It is God himself revealed to us. Jesus is the word. Let his words remain in you. And so you have to put it on. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you got to put it on. Come on. You have to put on. You got to put on all of God's armor. You got to put it on. Who has to put it on? Everyone. If you're not in relationship with Jesus today, you've got to put on. The way you put on God's righteousness is come and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. God, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved and God gives you his righteousness. We're going to break it down every single week, but you have to put it on who? Everyone. And you got to put on what? The armor. Whose armor? God's armor. Not your armor. God's armor. It's his armor that he gives you. Everyone has to put it on. Even Christians? Yes, even Christians. Today, you've got to put on God's righteousness. You've got to pick up the armor. And you've got to put on all of it. Don't leave a piece out. Dig into it. Don't leave a piece out. And how do I put on his righteousness? You first surrender. Receive it. After you've received it and you're walking with Jesus, let him prune you. Let him cut away the things that are tearing away, that are bringing death, that are creating like a gap in your armor that you could potentially take a, a, a massive blow in your life and will take you down. you got to put it all on by letting God prune you and then staying connected to Jesus and letting his word just live in you, abide in you. How do you do that? we got to do more than listen to this sermon, a sermon on a Sunday. This is not going to be how you let God's word abide in you. you got to open it up and dig in with it. Get with another person and dig into it. Get a Bible reading plan and dig into it. Get a devotional. We can recommend some things and dig into it and let God's word, a lifelong pursuit of letting God's word change you from the inside out. And let me just tell you, if you don't, 
if you don't do it regularly. That's a plan to fail. That's a plan to fail. That's a plan that you just get. I'm just going to guarantee you, you're going to face struggle. You're going to face, tri- face trial. You're going you're gonna to want to give up more often if you are not digging into God's word and staying connected to him. Abide in him. But if you will, ah, you're going to bear so much fruit. So you got to put it on. Stand with me at all of our locations. God, we thank you for your word and for your armor and that it's your armor. We don't have to fake it until we make it. You give us everything that we need. And so today we're just, we're going to acknowledge that we need you, that we are in a battle. Some of us today, we just face it. We feel it more than others because we're in the heat of it. We're facing the pressure, but you've given us everything we need. You've offered us everything that we need for the spiritual battle that we're in. So we're going to be intentional about, about acknowledging it and picking it up and putting it on. So today, we recognize your promptings. And right now, before we leave this place, we want to just allow you, Jesus, as we worship, as we reflect, allow you to shine your light in our life. Is there anything that you're wanting to cut out? Show us. Is there anything that's tearing us away from our affections for you, for allowing your righteousness to be expressed in our life? It's in the area of just anger and temper, It's an area of addiction. It's an area of lust or thought life. It's a manipulation of other people. God, is it it laziness? What is it, God? Something you're wanting to cut out. Your conviction leads to repentance. So we we want to say, God, shine the light. And we want to choose to put on the vest, the body armor of your righteousness. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.